I've seen you tell the grandmother's story more, quite often. I saw it on Ted. I saw you tell it on some other uh, YouTube videos. Why do you always tell a story about your grandmother? His response was great, Tyler. He said, oh, because everybody has a grandmother. It's an instant connection. average CEO reads 60 books per year, and many attribute their success to this habit of constant learning. This is the difference between those who actualize and those who fail. This automization of their learning, this 1% better every day. On the MentorBox podcast, we're making it easy for you to build and maintain that same habit, the same type of constant lifelong learning as those CEOs, simply by listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and tune in for new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and every Friday. And if you want to dig deeper into what our incredible guests teach, make sure to go to mentorbox.com and become a member today. CEOs on average read 60 books per year. Many attribute their professional success to this persistent quest for new wisdom and innovative excellence. MentorBox makes it easy for you to develop that same high-achieving habit of lifelong learning. As a person of action, you know that true ingenuity is the result of deep, deep knowledge. And just by listening to this podcast, you are working toward your goals every single day. If you are ready to wholly embrace this mindset, this 1% better every day, then check in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes. And if you want to dive deeper into the teachings of our guests, become a member at mentorbox.com today. There, you'll find a course from Carmine Gallo. Carmine is an internationally renowned keynote speaker, best-selling author, and communications consultant and advisor. As president of Gallo Communications Group, He has helped build the reputation of major brands, including Google, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, and many, many more. And his career achievements don't stop there. He has written numerous best-selling books, including the two we discussed today, Five Stars and Talk Like Ted, and he formerly worked as a television anchor for CNN. In this conversation, Carmine and I do everything in our power to change public conceptions of what communication is. No more soft skill, quote unquote, to be cultivated discreetly and as needed, but rather communication is a quintessential aspect of expression, transaction, and personal development. I hope you enjoy. Hello, 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 and welcome to the MentorBox podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lay, content coordinator, and today I am with Carmine Gallo. Carmine just shot a wonderful presentation on his book, Talk Like Ted, as well as his subsequent book, Five Stars. Carmine, thank you so much for being in the studio with us today. It's been great meeting you and chatting with you. Thank you, Tyler. We've been getting pretty deep in between shots here, talking about the role of communication today, how vital it is, and how it's kind of dropped off in a lot of spaces and how people don't emphasize it as much anymore. It's called the soft skill. And I think you and I agree that this isn't a great term to describe communication anymore. I think we agree that communication is 
everything. Can we end that term that today? <laughs> let's, let's just uh, cut it out. Communication is no longer a soft skill, okay? It's everything. Yeah. It is fundamental. I've got a good story. A few years ago, I was interviewing a venture capitalist behind some of the biggest brands of our time, uh, including Airbnb. And he corrected me. I'm the communication guy. I've been studying persuasion for more than 20 years. I, I minored in it in college, and I've been working with professionals for decades on presentation skills and communication persuasion. So I'm the communication guy. You don't have to convince me that communication is everything. I'm having the conversation with this uh, well, uh, well-known venture capital company, and the investor overheard me saying, yeah, you know, the, the, uh, I hate to talk about these soft skills, but what, what is the role of storytelling and persuasion? I, I didn't say I hate to talk about it, but I said- <laughs> That would you have know, surprised it, me. You you no, know, like I didn't say I hate that. to talk about it, but he was talking about, you know, hardcore technology. And I said, well, you know, we have to talk about the soft skill of persuasion and storytelling. What role does that play? In, a, in an entrepreneur's success. And he corrected me. Mm-hmm. He said, Carmine, communication is not a soft skill. It's fundamental. Oh, yeah. he's, he's the one who told me that. It's fundamental. If you walk into a venture capital office in Palo Alto or in San Francisco, and you're a young entrepreneur with a great idea, and you cannot communicate that idea in a way that attracts and convinces someone else to join your journey then you'll never get funded. Of course. That's, so the hard data shows that you're not going to make money unless, <laughs> unless you're really focused on this. That's why, as of today, we must end that. Communication and public speaking is no longer a soft skill. It is the fundamental skill that you need to make it in, in our society today and in yeah. the workplace. Just the, even the idea of it as a skill is almost confusing to me because it is fundamentally human like it you know socializing and and being with one's tribe and communicating those are just things that are fundamental within how we live and you can develop it like a skill you can build it to utilize it as a skill but referring it to in that way just seems like you're you're kind of mitigating what communication serves as you know in in the grand scheme of things that's a Good point. What I like to tell people is we know how to do this naturally. We know how to be good speakers and good communicators naturally, but we tend to forget how it's done when we go into business and we start giving business presentations. And honestly, none of us are born with a PowerPoint clicker in our hands, too. So, so yeah, taking what we know intuitively and then incorporating that into our public speaking, presentation, communication, social media, that is where the skill comes in. Uh, that takes work. You know, I'll give you a great example. So uh, one of my first books on communication skills that did really well and it sold internationally, was The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. I was the first writer to write an entire book just on how to give a presentation in the Steve Jobs style. (laughs) The Steve Jobs style was very different than most business presentations today because it was 
just natural to the way we all yeah. <laughs> should be getting more human in it, it was more human yeah he had more fun there was entertainment value when he showed images on slides they were that they were photographs and images whoever thought that putting a hundred words on a slide in bullet point form and then having a speaker also talk at the same time while you're trying to interpret the words on the slide was a good thing Whoever came up with that, I mean, that is the most inefficient, ineffective way of delivering information. Steve Jobs never did that. You never saw a bullet point on a Steve Jobs slide. And he surprised people by pulling the iPod out of his jeans, you know, or, or those type of uh, magical moments. Uh, so he, he had some entertainment. He, told, he was a great storyteller. In 1984... When Steve Jobs first introduced Macintosh for the first time, there was no PowerPoint. I forgot when it was invented, just a few years later. But then, and there was no Apple Keynote. There wasn't presentation software. And yet it was a great presentation, which is still available online, where he built up this narrative. And IBM played the villain. There always has to be a villain in every story. And for Steve Jobs, the villain was usually a competitor. At that time, unfortunately, it was IBM. So IBM was getting into the computer business. But he built it up like IBM is turning its guns. You know, he used the word guns. Uh, it was like a war movie. IBM is turning its guns on the last bastion of freedom and creativity. And it's like by the end of it, you're like, yes, go, Steve. You know? <laughs> so is this, was this But in... it was a narrative. Yeah. Even before presentation slides were invented. Was this in line with that commercial where the woman throws the, the hammer at It was after the that commercial. Screen. So yeah. the theme was very consistent. Yeah, that's, that's like yeah. legendary at this And point. then he had, the whole time he's speaking, there's a, there's a black bag in the, middle of a, in the middle of the stage, and people are wondering, what is that? Well, is what, it alive? What, Do we what, eat what it? is that? <laughs> but he was, he was a master storyteller, a master of suspense, a master entertainer. And I know as a fact that Steve Jobs worked at that. He developed the skill. So he was already passionate and probably already a very good communicator, but John Scully, who I talked to personally, John Scully was the CEO of Apple at that time. You know, that whole, you know, conflict between them. Uh, Scully told me, point blank, that before the 1984 presentation, Steve was a nervous wreck. I mean, he was not a confident speaker. Not, he was not confident at all. He had to grow into it. Warren Buffett has said on numerous occasions that he was terrified of public speaking and he wasn't a good communicator. Uh, Barbara Corcoran, who is on Shark Tank, uh, told me uh, several books ago that she was a terrible communicator, had a paralyzing fear of public speaking. Richard Branson had a fear of public speaking. They were not good. Uh, Elon Musk, early on, a very uncomfortable public speaker. These are all people who admit it, uh, acknowledge it publicly, mm -hmm. and yet they worked on it. They worked on presentations. Warren Buffett took a class to be a better public speaker and then voluntarily signed up to teach an investing course. Because he knew he, in order for him to grow as an individual in his career, he had to get really good at convincing other people to buy into his ideas. Where did we initially stray from the human nature of presentations? You've done so much research on what is the most effective method of storytelling and, and just how to present so, so much research, so many books. How much of that have you focused on actually deciding where and when and why 
we strayed away from the sort of obvious, you know, pathos, logos, and ethos of of that human connection within presentation, which seems to be, as you're describing now, that fundamentally most important component. Well, I, I think it's interesting. There, there was a time where everything was focused on, you know, the growth of technology um, yeah. and internet and data, and now it's the cloud, and now it's AI and algorithms and, and deep learning and all those, all those buzzwords. So there's a lot of focus, as there should be, on science, technology, engineering, you know, all the STEM courses. And what we sort of lost uh, touch with is the fact that in order for anyone to uh, develop technologies that are world-changing, they have to pitch the technology, they have to uh, be seen and heard and understood, they have to convince people to join those companies. They have to rally people. They have to talk to stakeholders um, and a, a number of organizations around the world that are in conflict with, with you now if you're in a tech company. So there was a guy named Brad Stone. He's a uh, yeah, journalist. We, have you he, talked to him He's before? been on the, yep. on the system. Yeah, so the I, I remember having a long conversation with him and he said, you know, Carmine, the, the Bill Gates is of the world and, and uh, even Zuckerberg... Early on, when you have your the, the first technology in a particular space and you're dominant, it, it just grew. Yeah. Today is different. Sure. Today, everybody has to compete against somebody else. Uh, and the Airbnb guys, for example, the oh, Airbnb yeah. folks, you, you have to deal with regulators and cities. And in other words, you have to win over people. Mm-hmm. So he said, there is a difference. He, and he's been covering technology longer than I have. He said that there's a stark difference between the, the inventors and the scientists and the engineers of the early development of, you know, Internet 2, 2.0 and uh, the entrepreneurs of today. And I've noticed that, too. They're, they're more persuasive. They're more interesting communicators, yeah. uh, like Brian Chesky at Airbnb. I saw him on a presentation, and he actually mentioned the... Um, the hero's journey. Really? The hero, I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's J- Joseph Campbell, um, the power of myth. That's mythology. The hero's journey was Joseph Campbell's. Uh, how, how would uh, this young entrepreneur know that? Because mm-hmm. he studies communication. Sure. So he studies storytelling. That's why I think it's, it's fundamental. And it's uh, this whole idea of being a good communicator and a good storyteller is... Now being recognized, technology alone is not enough. Someone has to be able to explain it to get other people excited about it. Mm-hmm. But they're also working with such incredibly high stakes. Like these entrepreneurs, they are working with, and as you have seen in the book that Brad Stone wrote that we worked with was uh, The Upstarts. It was yeah. about Airbnb and Uber. We've seen how these two companies and many others, Facebook, all of social media have just changed modern culture entirely like right. how we communicate the the ability to communicate and what identity is how your identity is actually largely you know accessible online these days and the high stakes nature of these startup entrepreneurs uh, and the things that they're working with i feel like that really impacts on one's ability to communicate because they know that if they're pitching something that could alter the world, who really knows if you're in that sort of, you know, seed stage or just really trying to start something new, who knows how life-changing it could be. 
But now we know that it is possible from an entrepreneurial standpoint to create a service or a product that does, in fact, just like change the entire world. Well, this is why I'm excited about writing about communication skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote Talk Like TED, which is not necessarily how to give a TED talk, although people who do give TED Talks use it, but it's what we can learn from some of the world's greatest public speakers of our time. Mm -hmm. And what's cool now, ever since 2006, you can go online and actually watch these TED Talks that I talk about in the book. And many of these TED speakers I've talked to, and I I can tell you behind the scenes how they prepare, uh, why it's important that they start with a story, Why why did they do this in their presentation. But I'm also, I just wrote a book called Five Stars, which is also about communication skills, but it's a deeper dive into why today more than ever, your ability to persuade someone of your idea is really the the fundamental skill and one of the key skills to stand out Mm -hmm. in any field or any career. And you just brought it up. You can have a great idea. You can't pitch it. You can't communicate it. You cannot articulate it. Uh, Or if you're a leader and you can't get people to rally behind you, all of those have consequences. Somebody else will do those. Somebody else will do those. And you may not like what somebody else does. You may may not like that particular leader, but they did a better job of rallying people behind them. Mm -hmm. And so there's persuasion now. There's good things and there's bad things. (laughs) But if you don't understand how to rally people, if you don't understand the psychology of communication, I think that can be a real... Uh, it could have damaging consequences, not only for your career, but also on a much bigger level. One of the more encouraging things that you mentioned today was, as you've been studying folks who are working in, I think you said the VR space now, um, the leaders of the direction that VR is going in technologically and everything, they've actually been doing a lot of research on human communication. And I want you to elaborate on that for our audience because that's really fascinating to me. Okay, right. This is not stuff that I... I didn't come up with any of this. These are topics that have been brought up to me by our scientists, leaders who are leading companies that are in the most advanced technologies of our, of our lifetime. Google, for example. I was at Google and I met a young man. Well, I would say a young man, maybe compared to me, younger than me. Uh, but he's a... Uh, high-rising executive at Google. I wrote about him in Five Stars. He is one of the world's leading experts in data analytics. You'd understand why he'd be working at Google, because it's a big data company. He said, Carmine, I'm actually, uh, I love data. He said, don't get me wrong, I love data. I love crunching data and trying to understand it, but I love storytelling even more. He's learning storytelling. Why? Because they can have the best data but if they cannot interpret the data for a customer and show the customer how data can save them money or make them money or make them better in their business, the data doesn't matter. So now Google is transforming their salespeople into storytellers. The stuff that we learned in grade school, the you know, storytelling, the actual technique that we know intuitively and in how to do it because we've been doing it for for centuries since we've, you know, since humans have been on earth, they've been storytellers. We know how to do it. What's amazing to me is that the, the most advanced technology companies of our time value people who understand an ancient art form. 
It's, it's kind of interesting. But I can name Nike, Microsoft, SAP, Airbnb, Google. I can name a ton of other companies uh, that value storytelling and the and developing the skill of communication in their in their staff, their partners, and their employees. Hey, I hate to interrupt this conversation with Carmine Gallo, but I want to let you know where you can learn more from his expertise on communication and public speaking. He recorded a full series of videos on the aforementioned topics, but per usual, he recorded those exclusively for MentorBox members. If you want to access that and much, much more, be sure to visit MentorBox.com today and sign up. All right, back to the show. I feel like the consensus of America in the last year or two and even a couple months, as we see what in particular social media does... Um, in terms of advertising and giving access to our information on that back end, it feels like the progress of data collection and you know the subsequent use of data has kind of gone over the public's head. And now we're kind of catching up saying, okay, Facebook looks like maybe they're doing some things that we don't love or like it needs to be more transparent. This and that needs to change. It seems a lot like People fear that they that they're turning into numbers more than names and stories, just for the purpose of like advertising and and making money off of. And it seems like Facebook has become an advertising platform, that sort of thing. Sure. A lot of people have these fears. But what you're, what you're telling me is that what appears to be the next generation of great innovators is actually really making that return to storytelling. I just talked to, not too long ago, uh, the new chief marketing officer of SAP, Mm -hmm. which is a global software company, one of the top companies in the world. And they realized, the CEO and the CMO have realized that the way they communicate their software wasn't good enough. It was just too technical, too dry, too focused on the specs and, and how the technology worked instead of just showing how the technology helps people improve their lives. So if you go to the SAP website now, it's all about SAP stories. They're they're showing real stories of real customers, and they're interpreting how the software improves people's lives. Isn't that just, and they don't call it storytelling necessarily, but isn't it just kind of basic storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because storytelling, there's, there's great science behind it too. Storytelling, uh, according to anthropologists who I've talked to, uh, was a major milestone in human development. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, you know, when, once we began cooking, I guess, and making fire, we could cook food. So your brain got bigger, you know, and it, we kind of evolved as a species. But once we started getting control of fire, that means we could sit around a campfire and instead of hunting and gathering during the day, we told stories. Yeah. And stories inspired people to go out and find something new. <laughs> you know, we're natural explorers. So there's actually anthropology studies done on how storytelling has helped us as a species. Wow. That's amazing. So to me, it's natural. I think we are wired for it. And we're focusing mostly on stories. Um, there's a lot more to communication in my books, but I have found that storytelling is the single most powerful tool you have of transferring your ideas to another person, mm-hmm. transferring your passion to another person. It's the best vehicle we have because we're all wired for it. And the reason why I talk about it a lot is because I see a lot of these great brands, 
going toward that direction, but I don't think the average person kind of gets it. I don't think the average business professional knows how, st- how to incorporate storytelling. Mm-hmm. In, in the storytelling chapter in Talk Like Ted, you mention the, the three kinds of stories. So is it uh, personal, kind of about yourself, about somebody else, and then like a brand or business story? Is that what they are? If, if you look at all of the, the TED-style presentations, yeah. uh, th- they typically will fall under a personal story. That's the most impactful. But also just case studies, stories about other people. And stories about a brand, mm-hmm. stories about a company. So on that micro level, if we're talking about you know, passing knowledge or emotion or data or whatever it is from one person to another, do you see communication then evolving in that direction where if this emphasis is kind of coming down from on high, you know, TED, but also um, big innovators and all that, really returning to an emphasis on storytelling, do you see that making its way into our language and our sort of socializing more frequently in the future just as individuals, you know, you well, and I talking, having a conversation? But on social media, isn't that what we do? I mean, it, it, that's why it's called Instagram stories. Sure. That's why it's called Facebook stories. I, I learned a lot about this whole area from a, a, a well-known attorney. Uh, his name is Brian Stevenson. He's a human rights attorney. And recently, he is, he's very celebrated for finding people who were unjustly incarcerated on death row and, and getting them off death row. Well, Brian Stevenson has actually won constitutional law um, suits in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. He's actually changed laws because of the fact that he wins these cases. Well, Brian Stevenson gave a TED Talk, and it was the, he had the longest standing ovation of any TED Talk in TED's 30-year history. He is a, a magnificent communicator, and I talked to him very extensively about what he does. And it, what he does very well is tell personal stories that relate to the audience, that connect him to the audience, but also relate to his theme. So he's got kind of like a basket of really personal stories um, about growing up and not having a sense of identity and where that identity came from, from his grandmother. Um, you know, he'll talk about Rosa Parks and meeting Rosa Parks for the first time. He, he writes about average people too, like a janitor he met in one of his cases, you know, that type of thing. But they're all just very personal, simple stories that he tells. And I asked him, I said, Brian, I've seen you tell the grandmother's story more a, Quite often, I saw it on TED. I saw you tell it on some other uh, YouTube videos. Why do you always tell a story about your grandmother? His response was great, Tyler. He said, oh, because everybody has a grandmother. Mm-hmm. It's an instant connection. Yeah. It's an, he's thinking through, how do I connect? He goes, Carmine, you have to understand that I, I go into auditoriums and, and places where there are people who don't want to hear my message. And they are averse to my message. They don't believe my message. I have to connect with everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you have personal stories of, uh, you know, seeking identity or struggle, past struggles, overcoming hurdles, that's something that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. So he is thinking about communication in a way that advances his agenda, which I think most people would agree is a very important agenda. Absolutely. Yeah. Where does it border onto, if you're talking about personal stories in particular, do you see 
the potential for kind of creeping into narcissism. Have you ever studied TED Talks that maybe didn't go over too well or like seen presentations that don't go over too well because the storytelling is a bit too personal, maybe too self-obsessed or... Yeah, I'm well, trying we, to think of objections. We live, we live in a narcissistic society. That, that's right? why I'm bringing yeah, this no, up. It's a selfie culture. <laughs> uh, so when I, uh, people want to be inspired and they're not inspired necessarily by somebody who's all about I, I, I. And I see that a lot in presentations. Um, it's, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. It's all about what you've done and what you've accomplished and your great idea. And what's interesting is if you study the great communicators of our time, whether they're in business or, or other areas, they don't focus on themselves as much as they focus on your dreams, your ambitions, and helping you achieve your dreams. Yeah. Because we are so... In other words, Tyler, you can use this as a communicator. You can use the fact that we're all selfish to be a better communicator. <laughs> so, it sounds counterintuitive. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's how. People are consumed with their own lives. Mm-hmm. They don't care about your idea. They don't care about you and your project and your service or your company and your product. They don't care. They care about how is this person go- or product going to help me pay for my kids' college education? How is it going to help me improve my life? How is it going to help me achieve my dreams? That's why I always say don't sell products, sell dreams. If you can, if you can take your message and show people how your idea is going to help them live a better life, that's how you win people over. So use narcissism to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, let them be the hero of their own story. Perfect. In that, a sense. That, that's the whole point. This, them, this is what our CEO, Alex Mary says a lot from the uh, Star Wars analogy perspective. Oh, tell me, where, tell me about it. Yeah, so he, as, as, a, as a teacher of you know, business principles and as a consultant, essentially, Alex says you need to be the Yoda to your customer's Luke Skywalker. So when he's teaching somebody to build a business and formulate their product and uh, their or their service, he says, you are Yoda and you want to think about their story as the Luke Skywalker of their story. And how is your product, your you know, expertise with the force going to help them be the hero of that story? Okay, so two things. Uh, it's interesting. The only thing you've just told me about your CEO is, is that story that you remember. So why do you remember that? You re- <laughs> it's a good story. So, yeah, you remember it because it taught you something. Yeah. We, we all love to be taught something new. Um, but it teaches you using a technique that is 2,000 years old, yeah. which goes back to Aristotle and the ancient Greeks, the philosophers, who said that metaphor and analogies are the best way of teaching people something. Mm-hmm. So what your CEO did was actually use an analogy of like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. All right. And he told a story and it's about a great story. Yeah. So, so again, <laughs> it's pretty meta, but it works very well. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating too much. Everything does come back to story Absolutely. in some way. Everything does. When you, uh, there's a guy named Robert Schiller who is a Nobel prize winning economist. Uh, and he writes a lot about why economists are almost always wrong in their <laughs> predictions because they're looking at data and they're not looking at narratives. He goes, everything is based on narratives, booms and bust cycles in the economy, 
in the stock market is based on when narratives change. Mm -hmm. If a narrative's change, then everybody gets out of the stock market at the same time. If, they, if the narrative change is positive, then everyone gets in because they, see, they hear stories of other people making money in the stock market. Yeah. So everything from the stock market to the way um, we vote for people, you know, to uh, the, the companies that we, that we support, everything is narrative. Mm -hmm. Everything's narrative. We buy into a company's narrative. So, and that's why we have to be careful, because narrative can be manipulated, too, especially people who understand the power of story. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that it's not can't be used for good. If you don't know how to communicate effectively, well, then you're never going to get anything done. Uh, in my book, Five Stars, the first part of it goes into, the, into history, where I talk about the American Revolution and how that was uh, triggered by great writers, and people who can communicate well to the audience at that time, because it was it was torn. Half of the people in America or in the colonies at that time did not want to revolt against uh, Great Britain. <laughs> they didn't want. So again, it, it took people like Samuel Adams and uh, uh, Thomas Paine and Thomas Jefferson. They were actually really good communicators. Yeah. They were excellent. They understood. They understood emotion. They understood making logical arguments, and they, they brought it all together. Uh, yet we may not have had the moon landing when we did if it wasn't for John F. Kennedy, a poet president. And there's a lot of research into how his words changed uh, the 60s and got us to the moon. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln, if you read Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, I'm mentioning books because we're talking to readers, obviously, but uh, Doris Curtin's good one, uh, her famous biography on Lincoln, uh, she uses the word storyteller quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I hadn't realized that. I, mean, I knew about the Gettysburg Address and all that, but I didn't know he was, he was considered a magnificent storyteller, where people came from all over the villages, from different areas, to see this, this young lawyer get up there on a tree stump. Yeah. He didn't have a TED stage, he had a tree stump. Yeah. And they all wanted to see him talk because they loved his stories. Right? And then look at what he accomplished. So yes, persuasion, communication, storytelling. Sometimes it gets a bad rap because it can be used for, for bad. Uh, it could be manipulated. But I think overall, studying persuasion is a net positive. Mm -hmm. yeah, it all comes back to storytelling, right? To our founding fathers and the innovators of today. I really oh, like gosh, that Oh gosh, even message. in your own head, right? I mean, the, the, what, what we remember is because we'll recall something or we will act in a certain way because of the story that we've told ourselves. Everything is narrative. Yeah. It, gets, it gets into psychology, which is why I've enjoyed studying psychology, too. I read a lot of psychology books. Mm -hmm. My favorite is everyone, all of your listeners, I hope they've got to read Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah, that's a uh, oh, man, he is the, he's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that book is not that long, but it's like, 300 pages or so, but it answers so many questions about what's going on today just in the way people respond to things. He goes through the psychology of our times. The scariest is that whole idea of confirmation bias that he talks about, where you, know, you look for people who confirm what you already think, and then pretty soon you're in an echo chamber. That's dangerous. Yeah, That's dangerous. that seems to be very common today yeah. as well. Uh, in addition to the Kahneman plug there, do you want to uh, give a, a final shout out to your own books and any 
um, other places folks can learn more about you before we sign off? Yes, if they go to CarmineGallo.com, uh, they can see all of my books, but my books are also available uh, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble does a good job. Uh, and so my last books are all available on audiobook as well. I've narrated the last three, which are Talk Like Ted, The Storyteller's Secret, and my new one, Five Stars. Mm-hmm. What does the five stars mean, by the way? What, is, what uh, does that title well, mean? Five Stars actually started uh, literally... And then it became a metaphor. But I started by interviewing leaders who run five-star hospitals, five-star resorts and hotels, five-star airlines. I've talked to Richard Branson. I started doing this uh, research into five-stars. There is a big difference between a three-star hospital, for example, or a resort, and a five-star so three-star just has to be basic and clean and meet your needs. Yeah. Four-star has to have a little something extra. But five-star, and get this, this is great. When, it, when you think about uh, resorts, for example, uh, Forbes ranks resorts on stars. And very few, less than 5%, I mean, very, very tiny percentage, get five stars. And when I ask someone who actually is part of the uh, qualifications, I said, what's the difference? Is it because they have a golf course and a spa and all that? They said, oh, no, 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 that's, that's four-star. Five-star is emotional connection between staff. I was going to say, something and, about like right, the service. Emotional like, connection. Yeah. Oh, it, that gets back to communication and leadership. And how do you teach, how do you train your staff and your teams to connect with people? Emotion, they use that word, emotional Right. So, um, and then I started studying hospitals. Five-star hospitals are ranked according to a s- certain questions that they ask patients. Seventy percent of the, the questions are based on communication. Mm-hmm. How well did the nurses communicate with you? How was the communication between doctors and nurses? So, in other words, to get five stars actually does lend itself to communication. And then it also is just a good metaphor for today. Because most people are average. And Thomas Friedman, um, in his books that he's written, says average is, uh, it's no longer good enough. Average only guarantees below average results uh, because of this hyper-competitive world that we're in. So we have to all, he said, Thomas Friedman said, everyone has to find their extra. And he said, it's not, uh, in his last book, uh, Thank You for Being Late, he said, it's not just about coding anymore. He goes, yeah, that's nice to have, but you also need to add the extra communication. Mm-hmm. So he's like, it's coding and communication. That's a powerful combination. Yeah, it always comes back to communication, yeah. so, storytelling. So again, it's, it's like it's always you, there. Do you want to be average? You want to stand out. Usually, the people who stand out have that extra, and more often than not, they're better communicators. Great. Well, let's finish it off. Your social media handles, uh, Carmine Gallo Speaker on Twitter. Yes. If, then... So if you go to CarmineGallo.com, you'll see everything. But on Twitter, just remember my name, at Carmine Gallo. Uh, Instagram, at Carmine Gallo Speaker. Facebook, at Carmine Gallo Author. It's a little different, but again, you can just find it by looking up Carmine Gallo. Great. Keep up with them, guys. Very important research, of course, on future of of who we are as human beings, as communicators and storytellers. I really love all the work that I've I've read from you so far, and this was a a great chat with you. So thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Everybody else, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.
Thank you so much for listening to the MentorBox podcast. If you want to learn more about what our authors as well as all of our authors teach, make sure to sign up at mentorbox.com. And if you like the MentorBox podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered by more people who will enjoy and be helped by what we do over here at MentorBox. Also, if you think of anyone who would enjoy or be helped by what we do here at MentorBox, be sure to let them know. We do what we do at MentorBox to try to make the world a better place through the incredible education our authors bring. And we can only do that through your help. So please help us spread the word. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next MentorBox podcast.